And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Fields put the biscuit in the basket. Touchdown, Chicago. Yes, he does. Deep in the pocket. Touchdown, touchdown, Chicago. Touchdown. You're listening to the number one Chicago Bears podcast. Unrivaled, unmatched, and unequaled. Hogan Johns. Covering the Bears from CHGO, it's Adam Ho. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Together, they're the Adams. The Adams converge. The consummate pros, the incomparable Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. Hogan Johns with you in our crew neck sweatshirts today. Is that a new sweatshirt? That looks pretty good. No, I've, I've, I've actually had it for a bit. It's cleaning out my closet, and uh, I found it. I forgot I had it. You like it's it? It's a good look. The athletic the, crew neck. The, I got the, the CHGO. The big athletic A there. Actually, I'm going Bulls today. Is that a Bulls? Yeah. yeah it's Is that CHGO Benny? Bulls crew. Well, I don't think I can legally say that. Maybe you can. But, um, it is Lenny the Bull. It's Lenny, Lenny the, bull. the Bull. It's Lenny the Bull. <laughs> Whatever. It's a badass bull and a cool sweatshirt is what it is. Go to chgolocker.com to find it. Uh, of course, you can get all our merch at obviousshirts.com as well. Uh, we have a guest today that's going to be rocking some Hogan Johns merch, which is cool. Um, plenty of content to get to here quickly, uh, but Johns has a story up this morning on the Arlington Heights Project with a bunch of info. So when I mentioned earlier in the week that we had a special guest, that's what this is all about. Some polling data that's come out from Harris Poll and a longtime Hogan Johns listener that's behind it. Um, and so he's going to jump on here and explain all of it. We'll warn you, like it's kind of in the weeds with numbers and demographics and stuff. So it's, I, I hope it's easy to follow along. I think we did our, our, our best to kind of explain it. Um, but this is an episode you might want to check out the YouTube because we had a bunch of visuals and slides too on the YouTube uh, edition of the the show uh, if you kind of want to follow along that way but um even if you're listening like you usually do in the car i i, I think it's still going to translate just fine but um this is gonna be a fun episode as we get into all that however you know it's mock draft season we're well into mock draft season and john's was given the power for the athletic to be ryan poles it seems like a you know a power like a power maybe the most power you've ever had at the athletic i don't know <laughs> yeah it all started with me everybody it, it was a it was a busy few days i gotta be honest we did like a gauge of the trade market article a few days earlier so consider that my my market research if i'm yeah. the bears uh five of those teams that we we talked to were the houston texans indianapolis colts we had the las vegas raiders we had the Falcons who replaced the Titans from the first market gauge we did, and then we had the Carolina Panthers at nine. So in this range, we had all top 10 teams because if I'm the Bears, I don't really want to trade back too far. Like, I'm going to trade back, but but how much? Um, so we were busy. We were busy. I ended up finally going with the Colts offer. Um, you want to hear it real quick? I do. 
All right, well, so first of all, will... I want to hear. So, how many offers did you get? The 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 longest conversation I had with anybody was with James Boyd. He's actually from Romeoville, by the way. He covers okay. the Colts for us now. Um, we talked the most okay. out of everybody. There was a late offer from the Texans. They actually offered the two, the twelve, a third rounder, but they wanted another late pick back. I think a, a fifth rounder. I eventually went with the Colts offer. Um, truth be told, actually, the Colts deal was kind of finalized before the Texans came in. So if you're wondering why I stuck with this, it's because of that. But I like the Colts offer. So I got their number one picks, number four. Well, we're real thirty-six. This is very Jim Ursay-ish. I mean, so you pulled off a trade from somebody with Chicago ties. Yes. I mean, does James Boyd have a picture of him riding a bear somewhere? (laughs) That might be illegal now. (laughs) (laughs) This is interesting. Someone might want to look into that with Jim Mercer. Like how he got on top of a bear at Lincoln Park Zoo. And I don't think that's safe, by the way. (laughs) I mean, as someone who grew up a few blocks away from the Lincoln Park Zoo and would frequently go over there, I don't remember having access to just jump on and ride a bear. Yeah. My Jim Irsay story is when the Bears had their joint practices with the Colts that one year, and we're all standing out there in like this little area that we can't move on. And Irsay comes in in a helicopter and immediately gets on like this fancy golf cart and comes mm-hmm. zooming by. I'm thinking to myself, well, that's different. I don't see NFL owners do that <laughs> quite often. Where, no, where I come from. Um, Okay, that happened. <laughs> have not seen George McCaskey arrive to Alice Hall in a helicopter ever. No, 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 I have not. No, even with the private airport not too far away. But anyway, I digress. So the offer I got was number four, number 36, a fifth round pick this year, which is Buffalo's old pick. And, he, and this was the key for me. The Colts first round pick next year. Right. Like that's what was the difference for me in terms of like the Texans offer. You, you ask why, you know, well, this is a, a multi-year thing, right? Adam Hogue, like I'm in the long game here. Yep. And I want to set myself up to take advantage of what could be a pretty good receivers class in 2024, led by certain receiver of certain famous last name from Ohio State. You know what I'm saying? So I'm trying to play the long game here. As Ryan Poles. So that was my deal with the Colts. So you're already drafting Marvin Harrison Jr. next year. Or at least trying to. You should you just do that that mock draft too while you're at it. I like it yeah. though. No, this makes sense. So I, when I did a mock last week, I I did a similar trade with the Colts. You have the extra fifth round pick in there. I had the the second round pick and next year's first, which I think is more than reasonable, and I even mentioned it in there, like, I think you probably can get more. So in your trade here, you end up getting the fifth-round pick uh, as well. Second round, or the second trade back now. Um, yes. So you went back so, to four, and now you're getting... Uh, we, people can read it, but the Colts end up taking Bryce Young. The Texans take C.J. Stroud. The Cardinals take Will Anderson. So so now you're at four, and Jalen Carter's still available. Yeah, so this up. is the tough decision. This was tougher than trading out of one, in my opinion. Do I do I trade? Do I basically pass on Warren Sapp? Like that was the decision. Do I pass on Warren Sapp for more? Um, the offer, like what's what's the line from The Godfather? You know, make him an offer he can't refuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
That was the the Falcons. Mm-hmm. So here I am getting this trade proposal from the Falcons. I'm like, oh, they're coming up for a quarterback. Okay, let's do this. So the deal with the Falcons, who have the number eight pick, I received number eight, number 45, which is in the second round. And here, and here was the difference maker for me, a 2024 second round pick. So more draft capital for me to play the long game in 2024, because again, if I'm Ryan Poles, this is not all going to be fixed this year, everybody. I need to do this over a couple years, 2024 included. So that was the difference for me. Then came the surprising selection by Josh Kendall, the beat writer for the Athletic covering the Falcons. He took Jalen Carter. Yeah. was not expecting that. Obviously, the So Falcons he traded have- up for Jalen Carter. Yes. So he basically viewed this the opposite of you. He's like, Jalen Carter is worth... These two second-round picks, one this year, one next year. Um, And you're saying that, in your mind, you're willing to pass on Jalen Carter to get another, a different high-quality first-rounder at number eight, plus two extra second-round picks, one this year, one next year. Yes. So my total draft capital, like that that stung a bit. Like if I'm Ryan Poles and that happens, like that, that stings. You need a three-technique. But my total haul was the 8th pick, the 36th pick, the 45th pick, the Colts' 5th rounder this year. So that's all this year's draft. And then next year, I get the Colts' 1st rounder, the Falcons' 2nd rounder. That's a 2024. Like, I, if I'm Ryan Poles, like, I'm doing flips at, at Hal Salt. Like, I'm dancing. Like, that, that is an amazing haul, at least in, in my opinion. Now, you missed on Jalen Carter, but I do think there's some... Pretty good three techniques to consider later in the draft, especially in the second round. The kid from Pittsburgh, kid from USC, very capable players. But I took Peter Skronsky at eight. You could debate that. Um, I do think there might be more merit in taking a defensive lineman, uh, especially a defensive end at number eight. But I went with the best offensive tackle on a lot of people's boards and rankings, at least publicly from the analysts. So... I do like the haul you got here. I think that depending on what the Bears do in free agency, if they find that three technique in free agency. Another thing to consider, yeah. Then, then, I, then I'm okay with the idea of having Skaronsky and all those picks. That's, that's, that's great. However, where I'm at right now, I, I mentioned this on yesterday's CHGO show too. I, I have studied a lot of Jalen Carter, and I just I really do think he's – Really, really good. And and not only just really, really good, a great fit for the Bears. Like so specifically would, for this defense, when you hear the coach say, we need that position to make everything work, the engine the that engine. makes everything go. It, it's So when I look at, yes, big picture, the hall plus Skaronsky looks great. However, when you narrow, narrow it down to the trade you specifically made with the Falcons... Would I rather the question is would you rather have Skaronsky and two second round picks or Jalen Carter? It's tough because those second round picks, you saw what Brian Poles did with them last year, right? Like second round picks are valuable. So starters. What, you saw what Pace did a couple of years ago getting Jalen Johnson and Cole Komet with two second round picks in the same draft. Those are those are multiple starters that you could potentially get. You could also draft, you know, Anthony Miller. Two. Like so it's not a guarantee. Adam Shaheen. Adam Shaheen. Like, so it's not a guarantee. You got to get the picks right. 
I just, for me, I think Jalen Carter is such a for, for sure thing and a perfect fit for the Bears that it's just me. I don't blame you for making the trade you did, but I wouldn't have done it. I would I would have just taken Carter there at four yeah, after, that was the, after getting what you did. You got a first round pick next year already in the first trade. Great. I'm taking Carter. I think that's the best case scenario. Yeah, that was the most difficult decision for me. But here's another scenario that I did when Kevin and I did our first mock draft earlier this. Because, you know, mock the mock drafts if you if you, if you you want, but teams do versions of mock drafts. They may not call it mock drafts, but they simulate oh, yeah. drafts, you know, as an exercise. And they start now. They really do. They start now. Um, what I wanted to throw out there was the scenario, say the Bears just trade back to four, right? Colts come up for that quarterback. And then you have the Texans there with the Miko Ryans with a six-year deal. He doesn't want to take a quarterback. He'd rather wait till next year. So he takes Will Anderson or Jalen Carter. Cardinals obviously have a defensive head coach now. They have their quarterback. So they take Will Anderson or Jalen Carter. So there's a scenario that I think a lot of Bears fans, readers, have you that, that they're not considering is even if you trade down the four, there's no guarantee that Jalen Carter or Will Anderson will be there. You're kind of banking on the Texans taking a quarterback or someone else trading up to get that quarterback. You need two quarterbacks to go in the top three in order to make that trade down to four to get Carter or Anderson. Like, like if that's your goal, you better hope someone takes another quarterback. I think it's a point that not it's many a risk. Are, I, I think it's a point that not many are considering. I think you have to. Do I think right now the Texans will take a quarterback? Yes, I think they kind of have to. But don't forget when you hire a new head coach, and D'Amico Ryans is been was really coveted. He's not going to be a one and done like the last two Texans coaches were. He's going to have the job security that if the Texans are bad again, then they could be in position to get Caleb Williams next year. Yeah. I mean, that's a scenario you got to talk about. If you're the Texans, would you rather have Jalen Carter or Will Anderson and then be able to land Caleb Williams next year? Again, it's that long-term play. The same thing you're just talking about with adding these picks next year. This is 100% got to be part of the equation in Houston. Now, the difference is the GM's not new. Casario's been there now for a few years, and it hasn't really gone well. He's been through... three head coaches already. Um, so I don't know if if he will still have that same support from ownership to be basically tanking for a third straight year. But I think you got to at least consider it if you're the Texans. Yeah. So it is a little risky. It is a little risky to, to move back that far. Um, that's where I'm almost so high on Jalen Carter that I'm like, Stay at one? Not stay at one, but if you have assurances that at least that the Texans aren't trading up to one to get Carter, like if the Texans give you assurances that they're moving up to get a quarterback, I'm okay if all the Bears do is move back to two and then take Carter. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or at least and in that like, worst case scenario, they're still guaranteed Anderson if the Texans do take Carter. And look, if as good as Carter is, he could be the next Warren Sapp, Hall of Famer. You still don't trade up from two to one for a defensive tackle. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, it's exactly. quarterback or anything. Like it's the most important position and the hardest to evaluate in all sports. That's what that's what you take your home home run swings on. Not defensive tackles, no matter how good they are. Like that's just bad 
process if, if you do that. Agreed. Right? Like when the Bears traded up from, what was it, three to two, they weren't taking Solomon Thomas. No. You yeah. do that to take a quarterback that you want. But, but now we're getting a little bit in the weeds, but I like it. Let's say you have multiple offers on the table from the Texans and Colts. Just the fact you have that offer from the Texans using that logic that you just gave, you pretty much know they're drafting a quarterback then. Yeah. There's still risk, though. So now you take that information and go, okay, we know that the Texans still want a quarterback. Let's take the Colts' offer to four. The problem is, what if the Colts take the Texans' quarterback? Now they might be willing to take Jalen Carter because we don't know necessarily how they value the next two QBs compared to the one they wanted to go up for number one for. That's where it gets a little dicey. It's going to be fun. It's not going to be easy if you're Ryan Poles. But um, it wasn't easy if you're Adam Johns being Ryan Poles for a day or two. (laughs) (laughs) Did you sleep at all? Did you have to wake up at at 4 a.m., not for the baby, but just because you were thinking about the draft board? Yeah, I was so busy. The the Texans offer came in so late. I'm like, oh, man, like, that sounds great, but this Colts deal just got announced. Like I'm not gonna be like, no, I didn't trade him. I didn't like turn in my 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 trade card here or whatever. Like you know. Like, oh, so you had already announced the Colts trade. I, 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 yeah, it was. It was out. Wow, there. sounds like you actually kind of effed up here a little bit. Who me? Yeah, you should have held out a little bit longer. Held out a little bit longer. Well, you know that's where the baby comes in. I had life to get back to. It's like, <laughs> come on. Yeah, I'm pretending not actually being right. Bold. Right. But it was this a fun like, exercise. Yeah. What, what what I would say is like my biggest takeaway is that a lot of teams are going to be calling Ryan Bulls, or a lot of teams are going to be talking to him next week at the combine. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that's where it's really going to start to heat up. So, um, and we're going to be there. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 
If you're like me, you believe there needs to be more stylish, functional, business, casual menswear that is both high quality and durable that can withstand your day. I'm talking about maybe hanging out in the press box, watching the game later with your friends, maybe getting a quick nine holes in. That's why men's closets were due for a radical reinvention and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and truly versatile set of products known to man. They have products for every occasion. We're talking about the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos, and blazers. They look great as individual pieces, maybe with a Hogan Johns polo or quarter zip, but they also work seamlessly together. Rowan's signature four-way stretch fabric is breathable, flexible, works everywhere from your commute to work to the 19th hole. It's time for unparalleled confidence without all the hassle. Rowan's commuter collection features wrinkle-release technology and is 100% machine washable. Looking good is that easy. The commuter collection can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to Roan.com slash Adam and use promo code Adam to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to R-H-O-N-E.com slash Adam and use code Adam. It's time to find your corner office comfort. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right. Well, that's fun talking about the uh, the draft. Make uh, everyone check out the uh, athletics mock draft on theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns to kind of see how all that sorted out between picks one and eight, and then even beyond that because you guys did the whole first round. Um, and there is some interesting stuff that happened later as well, including the Packers getting a pretty pretty good pass rusher. Yeah, and the Packers moving a quarterback. Ooh, check it out. That's interesting. That's interesting. All right. Um, we need to move on, though, to our next guest with the stadium talk. This stuff's really interesting. Also on theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns uh, if you want to read about it as well. But AJ Scara from the Harris Poll got a bunch of data, jumped on with us, explained it all. I think you guys are going to find this very, very interesting. All right, well, it is. Uh, I, we should dub this like interesting guest week, Johns, because uh, we kind of dove in the weeds a little bit with Justin Fields training earlier in the week. Now we have some cool stuff on the possible Arlington Heights Stadium that could be built, probably will be built at some point. Um, but exclusive to The Athletic this morning as we record on Thursday. John, you have a story up on some polling with the Arlington Park Stadium Project. I encourage everybody to read it as always, but a lot of this, um, I should really let you explain it, but a lot of this came from the Harris Poll, which we bring in longtime Hogan Johns guy. <laughs> AJ Scarra is with us and, behind, and works with the Harris Poll, is behind some of this polling, and so I'll let you guys really take this away, but it's some fascinating stuff on the stadium. Well, first, AJ, uh, thank you for joining us, and I think I got to... like offer an apology here. I am the worst emailer. Like since like the the evolution of Slack and like oh, text yeah. messages and other ways to ac- access people, like emails they they can get lost. And so 
my apologies because this is actually like months in the making. A, a lot of correspondence back and forth. Uh, the Bears had quite a busy season. I decided to have another kid. Things <laughs> <laughs> things happen. Um, but I, I but I, but I'm happy with what we were able to do over the past week. Uh, AJ, um, longtime Hogan Johns listener, friend of the show now, um, provided us with some great data, some great polling on how Bears fans or Cook County residents in general view, well, the Arlington Park site and what the Bears want to do. So welcome, AJ. Yeah, thanks for having me. Long time, first time. Uh, And so just jumping right into it, uh, the Harris Poll has been around about 60 years. This is our 60th anniversary, and it started mainly as or primarily as like a political polling operation. Lewis Harris, the founder, was JFK's pollster during the 1960 election. And then after that, he uh, formed a company and moved into all sorts of different polling and market research, where now we do primarily market research for companies, um, blue, blue chip uh, firms there. And my team, uh, I call it like a sandbox. I get to pull on stuff that I find interesting uh, and, and work with journalists, outlets, and newspapers uh, to disseminate those findings. And so as a lifetime Bears fan, uh, I had the idea to start pulling on what fans and what Chicagoans think of the perspective move to Arlington Heights. I grew up just down Route 12 in Wakanda and uh, I, for one, was super stoked to hear about it, but I wanted to hear about how uh, other Chicago area residents were feeling about it. So we launched our first round of polling in June of 22. So that's about uh, eight months ago. And we've been including these same questions every three months. So June, September, December, and uh, we're going to be running these again in addition to a few other ones uh, early to mid-March. So uh, we found some interesting things about what people think about uh, the state of sports in the city, um, what they feel about possibly leaving Soldier Field behind uh, for the Bears and whether or not they want to help open up their own wallets to, to make that a, a reality or not. And you mentioned politics. This is political. When the yeah. Oh, <laughs> when, yeah. when Chicago's Mayor Larry Lightfoot is outspoken as she is, J.B. Pritzker, the Illinois governor, has, has talked about the Bears' move to Arlington Heights, and obviously they have to get all the local politicians involved. So um, a little bit more background. So more than a thousand Cook County residents, that's mm-hmm. that city and suburban, were polled for this. There's been a, a bunch of other polls that, that I've seen, but this is the the largest, I would say, right, in terms mm-hmm. of scope. Yeah. And I was just reading this morning again, refreshing. I, I think the Sun-Times has run a poll uh, recently on this. And I looked at, I think they did primarily just Chicago voters. So those only living within Chicago who either reported that they are registered to vote or will likely vote. I don't know much about their methodology, but this is more encompassing to be, at least based on what I've seen, city of Chicago and Cook County residents. But I can't speak to the to the other polls. Yeah, because Arlington Heights isn't a neighborhood. That's... <laughs> 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 that is a suburb. Um, all right, let's let's go through this data. You provided us with some great charts. If you're watching on YouTube, you could see all these uh, all these numbers. We'll do our best to talk through these numbers or articulate these numbers for those listening in their cars or the old fashioned way through their phones and whatnot. So, um, we wanted to begin with your your first slide. Um, I, I thought this question was well. Interesting. Um, well, well, the question is, how much do you agree or disagree with each of these following statements? And here are the two statements. Sports are an important part of Chicago's, Chicago's culture. And the other one, 
Get this, everybody. Chicago would benefit from being the home city of two NFL teams. Take us through it. Yeah, so basic uh, agree-disagree question here. And 85% of all Cook County residents, so that's combining suburbs and city residents here, agree that sports are, in fact, uh, an important part of the city's culture. Interestingly, uh, that sort of confidence or um, agreement increases uh, among suburban residents to 89% and city Chicago residents clocking in only at 82%. So Chicagoans, of course, are a proud uh, city and I'd say even the broader region, Illinois, Northwest Indiana, maybe Southern Wisconsin as well, are are very proud of their teams, the Hawks, the Cubs, White Sox, Bulls, and so on. Um, But most striking to me and looking through all of the cross tabs, I think you could probably devote, you know, two weeks of a, a new cycle on the on the Bears beat to this, uh, that one in two of all Cook County residents think that the city would actually benefit from bringing in an additional NFL team. Now, obviously, we know what that would involve with the mechanics and the NFL having to approve that. But just the fact that area residents think that, oh, we're open to it, I, I think uh, is pretty striking. I've been a loyal Bears fan, as I've mentioned, but... Uh, I didn't think that that many people would be open to that. <laughs> My first thought when I saw this, Bears fans are fed up with losing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, me too. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Like, I, I feel like if they're the Chiefs right now, that that's a hard no. But I, yeah. I really do think that that probably reflects some of the frustration. Um, and I mm-hmm. wonder, like, if you even did that poll pre-drafting of Justin Fields, if if mm-hmm. it would have been even higher. Yeah. And interesting um, breakdowns, or I guess dynamics at, at play here across the issues that we we pulled on um, are age breakdowns. I think we might have a slide on that. But um, yeah, so again, 85% of all Cook County residents think that Chicago or sports are an important part of the local culture. That increases to 92% for those um, age 55 and up. Clocks down to 84% of those age 35 to 54 and only 79% in the 18 to 34 year old cohort, which is still a pretty large majority. But the fact that you have about 10 to 13% attrition um, as you get younger and younger makes, I guess, intuitive sense to me where they haven't had that much to cheer for among their sports. Obviously, the Hawks had their great run in the 2010s, Cubs in 2016, Hawk, or excuse me, Sox in 2005, but it's pretty barren compared to some of the other um, cities that are providing success no matter the sport, like L.A. Um, in recent years, um, Boston, New York, they've all had more success regularly across these different sports than, than we have. Um, and it is pretty middling um, where you have the, the 35 to 54-year-old cohort clocking at the, the highest degree in terms of support for a second NFL team, but it's still pretty mixed where 18 to 34-year-olds are 49% agree and 55 and up are 47% agree. So I guess it is support for a potential uh, second NFL team does stay pretty standard across the ages. First, good on you for mentioning the 2005 White Sox because Adam Hogue would have kicked you off this podcast almost immediately. Yeah, I had to dig <laughs> deep for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because no. according to ESPN, sometimes it, you know, it didn't happen, right, Adam? <laughs> no, it, it never happened, and, and that's fine. I know it happened. I was there. Okay. That's all that matters. Yeah. It, maybe it happened. I'm not sure these days anyway. But... um. <laughs> Again, like I think of like the like if I could just relate it to myself and, and, and my son's watching the Bears, like my oldest who's eleven has like a Tom Brady shirt. 
my youngest, who's five, wants a Justin Jefferson jersey because he's like every kid's favorite player, and he does mm-hmm. the gritty around the house. He pretends to be him, <laughs> like all that stuff. Like, but that's success. It's what they see on TV: the highlights, mm-hmm. the wins, the celebrations. Now he could do the Cole Komet like home run swing, the softball swing, have you, whatever you want to call it. But the Bears stink. They have yeah. stunk at least in their their lives thus far. So even if you, I feel like if you did this data, if like you pulled, you know, like nine to 12 year olds, like their favorite teams would be like the Chiefs, the Patriots, all the the teams with the the fun players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's part of the reason why I'm excited that we started the this sort of regular pulsing on just the local sports scene now at the start of the Kevin Warren administration and projecting that years into the future to see how these trends shape up over time. Because it does seem to be a sort of a new energy around Hallis Hall where you have Ryan Poles come in, Matt Eberflus, and now you have Kevin Warren, and they're more likely than not seemingly to all outside observers moving forward with the stadium uh, development in Arlington Heights. And it just seems to be a sort of different energy or vibe around Hallis Hall. And you two know better than me since you live this world every day and, and you're in it. But to, I, I guess, a casual fan such as myself or diehard, I should uh, out myself as, uh, it definitely seems to be... Um, much more excitement and energy about the team. Just a quick question on the polling. I mean, do you know, just just another theory popping in my head right now, is that 18 to 34-year-old demographic may be younger uh, residents that ne- haven't necessarily lived here all that long? Is that possible too, where like they're not necessarily totally entrenched in the Chicago sports culture, whereas you know a 55-plus has probably been here and has a little bit better understanding of what sports means to the city. Yeah, that can certainly be a dynamic. We don't ask it directly. Um, so I can't speak to it uh, with certainty, but I'd say uh, looking to that second level analysis, I think that's definitely something that, that uh, could pop in. AJ, another interesting point or, or part of part of this, I should say, is how your polling actually breaks down by race and ethnicity in terms of support, or in this case, like belief, of the need for two NFL teams. Can you take us through that data as well? Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of conjecture that can go into why this might be in terms of the differences underlying uh, the levels of support amongst white Chicagoans, black Chicagoans, Hispanic or Latino uh, Chicagoans. And my hypothesis, again, just sort of as a lay observer, but also someone who's listened to a lot of commentary on this from other outlets, that it could be just the physical location of Soldier Field um, being relatively uh, hard to get to for everybody, but being relatively closer to the south and west sides than Arlington Heights is, for example, could um, be the driver behind why different cohorts might think uh, or might vary their levels of support for a second NFL team. So when you look at that question, Chicago would benefit from being the home of city of two NFL teams, agree or disagree. Um, white Chicago area residents clock in at 39% agree. Black Chicago area residents clock in at two-thirds, or 67% agree, and Hispanic or Latino Chicago area residents at 46% agree. And so not too sure what could be driving the differences uh, among those uh, levels of agreement, but if I had some working hypothesis that someone much more qualified than me could look into, I would venture to guess that uh, it just could be the physical uh, location of Arlington Heights versus Soldier Field. And if you do bring in a second NFL team, 
the understanding is that they would play at uh, Soldier Field, uh, as Mayor Lightfoot suggested. Yeah, we're going to talk about this a little bit more with, with some other slides, but one of the first things that I thought of in terms of concerns when the the Bears started moving forward aggressively with the Arlington Park site was like the commute for some of the fans, like the, the far south suburban fans or the southwest side fans or the the fans. The, there's a lot of Indiana, like just across yeah. the border, Bears fans. That drive might be non-existent for them. They're going to be watching uh, on TV. It's going to become like a... Like a, a road game for them, it, it's so yeah. far compared to, to Soldier Field. And I know Soldier Field's not easy to get to, but if you're coming from Indiana and you have to drive to Arlington Heights, I mean, that is, might as well drive it's to Indianapolis day. for a game. Yes, it's a day. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why they have those hotels there, right? <laughs> Too, I guess. But yeah. Yeah. I'm and I mean, I, I'm coming from the Northwest suburbs myself. So selfishly, I like the location of Arlington Heights, but in just looking up some historical. Uh, context here. Michael McCaskey, I understand, briefly flirted with trying to move the team to Gary, Indiana, or at least he he postured as much. And if the Bears moved to Gary, Indiana ever, I would never really consider making that trek. It's just, as you mentioned, uh, a day. So I guess location and geography could really be a function of um, where a lot of folks come down on this. Yeah, I, and I totally understand that. I just think like the, the, the point of where the stadium is just sort of... Sh- shifts because it also don't forget it opens the door to other people that maybe right now are like nah i i live in uh you know kenosha but i'm a bears yeah. fan or, or i live in fox lake i mean wakan is out there and it's but it's not <laughs> yeah. too it's not too far from me here in vernon hills so it's like it it, it yes it's going to make it worse for others but it's also going to make it easier for for others and so i think it's just relative to where you live i mean right now it's not easy to get to soldier field for a lot of people and quite frankly if you live in the west suburbs or even like the southwest suburbs with the traffic situation down near soldier field if you can come up with a solution for that at the new stadium it's not that hard to shoot up 294 and you know, and and get to the Arlington Heights area without having to go in the city. So it, it's just all relative to where you actually live. And I'm not sure overall when you put the entire equation together that it's going to make that big of a difference. I think there's some data that shows like home location is is kind of a driving force behind some of the opinions here, is it not? Yeah, um, I think if like general support for the move to Chicago or to Arlington Heights, excuse me, among Cook County suburban residents is 45%. So um, general across the board support is 37%. So 45% is an increase among the average. And support among city of Chicago residents, I believe, is clocking at 29% only. Um, so definitely it's a function of uh, where you sit determines where you stand, or at least there's a trend among uh, among that. Um, I mean, it, it's very easy for someone so to be like, eh, it's not my problem. Like, yeah. I, like I'm a Bears fan and I live in Naperville. I'm not going to have to worry about this. You know, like, well, yeah. Well, yeah. isn't that life? That's how, it's how, yeah. it's how, it's how people vote, really. Is, isn't that yeah. not the truth? Um, all right. So let's look at the funding here uh, because this is probably everything right now. Like how the Bears going to secure the funding. I know what they're saying. They want to do this all privately. We'll see mm-hmm. if it's actually true because they do have the rest of the land where they want, you know, public help. So the next question here is, in your opinion, how should each of the following aspects of the Chicago Bears proposed Arlington Heights development be funded? Private or public? So take us through this, AJ. 
Yeah, so we uh, split the question into two here where we're just asking about the stadium itself and then we're talking about the surrounding mixed-use facilities that they've uh, discussed needing some infrastructure support on sort of uh, redeveloping the area. And so the options there were, how do you think the new Chicago Bears Stadium should be funded? Options being only public funding, mostly public funding, a mix of public and private funding equally, mostly private funding, only private funding, and not at all sure. And so uh, it makes sense here that people don't want to pay. Uh, I read as well that the, we're still paying off the 2004 renovations for the Bears. Um, I was a student at the University of Miami when the whole Marlins Park fiasco was uh, unwinding, where the, the city took on $500 million of or they issued $500 million of loans and their the ultimate price tag is going to be north of $2 billion because they issued it under subprime market conditions. So it can really hamstring a region and engender a lot of resentment against uh, whichever team that doesn't handle it very delicately. And so far, it seems that the Bears are aware of this. They're trying to get out ahead of it and say that they're going to only privately fund the, the stadium. But looking at the stadium equation itself, support for um, only or mostly public funding is only 8% total. So people around the area do not want to have the state pay for it in, in its entirety or its image, in its majority. Slightly more are open to the idea of an equal mix of public and private funding at 15%. Um, but then looking at those who think it should be privately funded, either wholly privately funded or mostly privately funded is six in 10 uh, of our respondents in the Chicago area, which makes sense to me. Um, and then 17% are not at all sure. So those are undecideds. They could break one way or another. Um, I believe the difference we had mentioned between suburban and city residents, suburbanites are, I think, closer to two-thirds uh, believing that it should be fully privately funded, 67 to 68%. And city residents um, are not as, or they don't care as much to the degree of private funding. Seemingly, if they feel like they don't have to pay for it, but if it's the state of Illinois, then I guess everybody will be uh, paying for it. Um, and then the interesting thing, if I'm the Chicago bears is I'm paying attention to the, um, support of funding for the mixed use facilities, because that's where you see a slight increase in, uh, consideration or agreement for, um, public and private cooperation there, or slight increase on mostly public funding there. So it seems that residents are in general open to the idea of providing some support for that, uh, surrounding mixed use area. Well, that's homes restaurants, a Bears fit gym. So Nick Moriano will be there for sure, right, Adam? Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> um, you, you have um, two hotels. Did I say restaurants, like parks, green spaces, like different types of residentials, like from townhomes to, to condomini condominium. I can't say a condos. We'll just say that condos. <laughs> like that's what they're looking at doing with that, that area. Like in that area where the actual racetrack is now would become its own neighborhood, like a stadium district neighborhood, with the Bears Stadium just to walk away. Which is yeah. why, it, just, just quickly, which is why I think there's an expectation that some public funding is, you know, relatively normal, quite frankly, for any type of development that would be that big, that, you know, a city would provide, you know, whether it's plumbing or, you know, just the, some of the infrastructure needed uh, for something that would be beneficial. And I think at least on the surface, that's what the Bears are claiming. That's what they want. 
Um, if it's more than that, I don't know. I guess we'll just have to to see. I'm just wondering who the hell is voting only public funding? Is that just like the entire McCaskey family and all the and all the offspring? Like, what, how did they get to four percent? That I'm just kidding, obviously McCaskey's, but like, how did that even get to four percent? It's a big family, Adam. Yeah, you know? <laughs> there are, I guess, some some folks who might. Uh, really believe in uh, the project in general. We included another question on whether or not people think that mega developments uh, like this are a good thing for the surrounding uh, area and it's good for economic development purposes. And I think 82% of all of our respondents agreed with that, saying that uh, a development such as the one that we're talking about is good for the surrounding area in general, attracting other residents and other businesses near it. Um, like you see what what Lambeau has done with their their district. And uh, you can see a lot of revitalization around some stadiums that really get this right. So um, I think some people might see a benefit there. But uh, yeah, as you mentioned, most people um, don't want to, to have to open up uh, their purse books to help make this a reality. And in September, we had polled briefly on what people thought of Mayor Lightfoot's proposal to renovate Soldier Field to put a dome over it. People had middling support for that, I think, in the 30s, and they were very much against any public funding for that. Um, overwhelmingly, I think, a majority not wanting to publicly fund any renovations to Soldier Field to try to keep the bears there. But um, as I mentioned, um, for the mixed-use facilities, you still have 55% of suburban residents wanting it to be fully privately funded and 44% of city residents thinking the same. But support for an equal mix of public and private funding has increased to 24% of city residents and 20% of uh, suburban residents there. You know, like, like there's studies that will tell you that like these stadiums usually aren't worth it. Like there's, there's mm-hmm. long, there's long studies and a bunch of research that, that tells you it, but like the counter argument is, well, we can host a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. The final four is here for the first time ever. You know, like here's Bon Jovi. He's back and he's here in Arlington Heights. I don't know why I said Bon Jovi, but you know, why not? Right, Adam? Um, I like, hope they <laughs> shoot higher than Bon Jovi. No offense. <laughs> well, look, it's like, like, um, what, what did Wrigley Field just announce? Like Guns N' Roses? Yeah. But Bruce, uh, Bruce Springsteen. Bruce again. Like they've had an Elton John. And I've seen Kenny Chesney a few times at Soldier Field, Rolling Stones at Soldier Field. You know what, Arlington Heights? Now you can have all of that in this beautiful indoor facility. We can have it year-round in the winter. We don't have to wait till the summer to be outdoor like at Wrigley where we have Zach Brown Band playing a bit of everything. Like Now you can have it year-round up there. Like well, yeah, the I studies think that's don't the match key, the vibe sometimes. Yeah, I, but I think that's the key, John, on that topic specifically. Is it's, I, I would think that those acts are, would prefer to still be at – like the Rolling Stones, to me, are still going to want to go to Soldier Field in July. It just to me, it opens up the door for winter events that they can't yeah. really host outside right now. But that's the one thing I think there is a catch. Like you can't just assume all these places or all these um, extra events are gonna prefer to go to Arlington Heights over the city in the you know when Chicago is as beautiful as, as it is in the summer. Yeah, my one thought on that is like the United Center. Which has a lot of things in the winter, a lot of concerts. Mm-hmm. Saw Bob Seger there, fantastic show, full house. Like they, like they capitalize on being an indoor facility in the winter. Now this bigger, grander place, which is years away in the making in Arlington Heights, like can now be your. It's it's like your rival for those shows now, right? 
Like that's your competition with more seats. 22,000, 28,000 Soldier Field if you count the floor, right? Or at uh, United Center if you count the floor. I mean, how many are you looking at at this new place? 65,000? It's more tickets. Mm-hmm. Definitely competition. And, and it can be an anchor for the city to boost its own um, recruitment efforts where it was not that long ago where Chicago was trying to jockey for the Olympics. And if you have an asset like this to anchor those types of bids to, to say, well, opening ceremonies, closing ceremonies could be right here, closest to the city, whereas it was otherwise going to be farmed out pretty far. Um, at least our respondents agree that uh, it can be an asset. But again, you can recognize something as a potential asset, but then also not want to have to pay for it. Um, and the bears might be in the same position where, how are they going to get $5 billion? I'm sure they're working on that every moment of every day right now. AJ, let, let's focus on, on maybe total support right now. As you mentioned, it's gone up in June of 2022 from 34%. Well, it stayed, it stayed relative to 34% in September. Then it went up to um, 37% in December. What do you think's going on? Why, why, do you think it's going, why do you think it's going up? And do you expect it to go up in your next round of polling in March? Yeah, for sure. So in June of 2022, so when we first ran this poll, we asked whether or not people support generally the Bears move, uh, perspective move from Soldier Field to Arlington Heights. And um, within there, that answer is a gradient of strongly support, uh, somewhat support, neutral, neither support nor uh, oppose, and then somewhat oppose, strongly oppose. The net support was 34%. The net oppose was either 33 or 34%. And the net neither support nor oppose was also about a third, around 33%, 32%. So people were very uh, much a mixed bag. Um, you have some people who strongly are anti, about one in five still are against um, the the move from Soldier Field. I call that crowd the Mark Carmen crowd uh, to try to, if you think of a person <laughs> who's a committed uh, Chicago fan there. Um, but then um, from June to December, you see general support inch up to 37%, um, which is very modest. We don't want to oversell that by any means. But what you see more strikingly is a decrease in the net neither support nor oppose folks. It had gone down from about a third of all of our respondents to now only a fourth at 25%. So it looks like the bearers are peeling away some of those folks that are a bit more ambivalent, they don't really care, um, than the, the opposition crowd. So if there was a more organized uh, campaign against the move um, that was also trying to take away some of those folks that don't care too strongly, it seems that that is not happening right now. Um, and perhaps something might come up where it changes the game here. But uh, interesting dynamics here as well at play are the segment that uh, we call aware or not aware. So when presented with these questions and the actual mechanics of taking our survey, they're given a little bit of description of what the current event is, and they're a- they had, are asked whether or not they had heard about it prior to taking the survey. So all of those people who had heard about it, about the Bears' plans or potential plans to move to Arlington Heights, that's the AWARE segment. And total support among the AWARES, I believe, are 46%. So that's about 10% higher than just the general population who support the, the move. And um, that original segment started at 40% in June. So you're seeing that um, perhaps an increasing share of people are finding out more about the Bears' plans. And of those people who are aware or count themselves as aware of what's going on, an increasing share of them 
are coming out in support of the move. And that can be to any number of factors that we can't definitively prove. But um, again, if I'm Hallis Hall, I'm encouraged about the amount of disclosure that's happened so far. It seems that people are generally on board with that amount of disclosure. Um, perhaps as you start navigating into some more thorny topics like how much money they need to state to pony up, perhaps that will have a significant impact on whether or not people support the move in general. Um, but again, highest cohorts of those in support are the aware crowd, the 55 and over crowd are 43%. Um, so if you're 55 years old or older, um, you're also more so in support of the move. And then, um, of course, the suburban residents at 45% are most supportive of the move uh, in our most recent round of polling. And as I had mentioned, we're going to be doing another round of polling on these topics and a few others um, in March. I, I think it's worth pointing out, too, that September was kind of a key month because that's when the Bears held that town hall and the actual plans and renderings of not the stadium, but the whole plans aspects I would think that that raised more awareness and maybe affected the number of people aware of the project between September and December, I would think, or at least between June and December. I don't know specifically when that September polling was done because that town hall happened like the first or second week of the month. But um, Yeah, there was overlap. Um, we typically yeah. field mid, mid-month, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I just think that – so maybe maybe that's an indication to your point – that uh, you know, the Bears are seeing a little bit of an increase in in support, and perhaps making more and more people aware of of what they're doing is is a good thing to to gain more support. And I don't want to oversell right how, how authoritative any polling is, but just the general act of polling gives you a lot of data points and a lot of uh, points of information to base your decision making on or your analysis on. So we're we're conducting analysis, but. Um, it, it seems that there are a number of trends that are emerging as key insights from uh, these three rounds of, of polling. And uh, it'll be interesting to see just as a lay observer and, and fan uh, how things shape up in the, the months to come. If I'm the Bears, like, what are you concerned about? Do you have to talk to some of like your African-American fans about like their concerns? Like, obviously, if you look at the data there, they seem to be more concerned about this project than some white fans or like how do you separate like Cook County residents like the suburban Cook County residents from the city residents like what if you're the Bears like what concerns you maybe about this data and what do you have to maybe I don't think address is the right word but like how do you gain more favor because you're going full steam ahead with this move yeah I would probably categorize that in three major points so um, you mentioned um, potential concerns among uh, black fans and possibly as well Hispanic fans with their uh, lower levels of support for the move um, and probably trying to dig into and investigate why that is. Uh, the Bears, I think, again, an outside observer have done a moderately good job compared to the rest of the NFL with their diversity, equity and inclusion efforts as a franchise. I would definitely um, prioritize that throughout this process moving forward based on the data, as you mentioned, Adam, that, that we're seeing there. Um, secondly, I would keep an eye on how support for, for funding is shaping up. Again, voters have their own ideas and politicians have their own, but generally they might want to be uh, accountable to public opinion or use public opinion as an argument for or against um, significant public support for the stadium. So I would just keep an eye on that. Again, if I'm Hallis Hall. 
waving my magic wand. And then lastly, um, if I'm Matt Eberflus, I'm printing out the data point that one in two Chicagoans are open to a second NFL team. And I put that on the locker room for the next season because to me, that gets me riled up as a fan to think that we're not that loyal to the Bears despite their uh, trouble on the field uh, for last 30 years. Um, but I, to me, if I'm a player, if I'm the organization, that gets me riled up to really try to deliver on this sort of new chapter that they're opening with just the gen- general direction of the franchise under Kevin Warren, but specifically um, with the, the process and building the stadium. What can you tell us about the, the March polling? I know you got some fun questions that are going to be included here, and I'm looking forward to getting to that in late March as well. Yeah. So um, since our last um, major round of polling, Kevin Warren has, has joined the organization as president, which I think could be a sort of a sea change inflection point um, in the direction of the franchise. More so, of course, than Matt and Ryan, uh, the second Matt and Ryan coming on board last year. But um, it just seems to mark a, a market tonal shift for the Bears and uh, what they're, or I guess the level of ambition that they're setting uh, for the future. But because of that, I'd like to ask uh, Chicagoans on whether or not they feel hopeful about the state of the franchise, about the future of the franchise, and perhaps asking them to compare it to a year or five years ago, how they felt about, or how they feel about the franchise now compared to a year or two ago. Um, but also with all of this talk about the first overall pick, I'd love to see uh, how people feel, if they do feel strongly, of whether they should take the pick, try to go for Jalen Carter, Will Henderson, or trade back and try to accumulate more draft capital. So we might ask on uh, what Chicagoans think that they should do with the pick, among a few other things. But um, again, would love to, to share the insights uh, with you and, and your audiences. I love it. I love it. That Those, those, those polling results will be interesting. <laughs> You, you might get a lot of different answers. You might some of some of your pollsters might get stuck on the phones for a while if, you, if you're asking fans what they want to do with the first <laughs> overall pick. <laughs> I'm not yeah, lying. Sure. Know. You know, multiple trades back. You know, you have to look at what the you know the Colts want to do. Don't forget about the Panthers at nine. <laughs> it's going to turn, yeah. turn into a podcast. Yeah, yeah. I read a mock draft yesterday of trading every first round pick, so going back to two, then a four, then a nine, then the like eighteen, um, <laughs> and, and other. Uh, not realistic news. Yeah. We just did our first beat writer mock draft. Um, we talked about it at the beginning of the show and, um, yeah, you know, being Ryan polls, um, he's gonna be busy because everybody wanted the first pick. Um, I don't know how much action there's really going to be, but all the beat writers who covered the Colts, the, um, the Texans, the, even like the Titans wanted the first pick. So put me in a very interesting spot. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. There's a lot. To, it's probably going to be one of the most exciting periods, I think, of Ryan Poles' professional life. Uh, he'll look back on it years to come. AJ, this stuff was great. Thank you so much for sharing it. Uh, I hope that our listeners and viewers got a lot out of it. Definitely some uh, interesting data as this saga continues with the Bears now having closed on the property. And um, we'll see where the stadium goes for, from here. But uh, keep us posted on on all the polling and the data you get and, and how it changes. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. For sure. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, AJ. Well, definitely some interesting uh, data to consider there. I, uh, I, I Look, there's a lot. To be honest, there's a lot to sort through there. Um, I hope people just listening were able to to follow it all. If you, I would encourage you maybe to go back. If you're listening, just check out the YouTube today um, to actually see some of those, 
slides that we were showing at the same point might help a little bit. Like any polling, Johns, I think it's like it's good to get all the data and then you got to decipher it and sort of narrow down what it means. I, I think to me, the big headline is that's most important maybe is that it seems like support's growing. Like to put it yeah. as simple as that, it seems like support's growing. And I think that coincides with the release of more information. As, yes. As, as you pointed out. And it, it sometimes it's just seeing the vision for what the bears have for a place and telling yourself or thinking to yourself, you know what? That's pretty darn cool. I'd go there. Might be seven or eight years, but that'd be a pretty cool, pretty cool place to visit. Um, more information, the better. Obviously, the Bears have some certain issues to, to sort out financially. They do have to gain more favor. There's the public funding part of this as well, but there seems to be momentum for this entire thing. Not, not like there's the public momentum, which we just discussed, and then there's the momentum at Hallisaw with Kevin Warren and finally securing or finalizing this deal and really going full steam ahead with it. Look, there's always going to be opposition, right? Like, you know, the the Cubs had to get through all that with Wrigley Field just to renovate it. And and it's like, why wouldn't you want to renovate it? Yeah. You know, residents around, oh, yeah, you're going to block my view. Okay, well, I sort of get that. You're going to put the big scoreboards up, but, you know, the Ricketts found their way around that by just buying all the properties. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But even to the standpoint of I don't know of how much you've been following what's going on in Evanston right now, but like I'm gonna be honest, Ryan Field at this point is like kind of an eyesore in the community. Wouldn't you want that place to be fixed up? And like yet there's still a small percentage of people in Evanston that are like, no, no, no. Like they have no interest in them even being there. It's like you live in a community that has a, a big ten university. Like what what do you expect here? Well tell Pat Finley to relax. <laughs> <laughs> But, but I guess it, 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 my point is those are situations where the stadium already existed and they're getting at least some op- opposition. Here I get it. Like this is if you if you moved Arlington Heights, you know, twenty years ago, even five years ago, like this wasn't on the table. You didn't. Yes, Arlington Park was there, but it's a totally different animal than moving an NFL stadium into your backyard. So I get that there's going to be opposition especially in that area. Um, so, but I do think ultimately if you, if you follow some of the early data that's out just on Arlington Heights, which we didn't necessarily cover, but those residents, there seems to be more support than the non-support. So I ultimately don't think it's going to be something that, I, I think they're gonna be able to get through all that. Yeah. You could see where you live matters in your opinion. And this is true for really anything, right? Like go back to Wrigley. Of course, if I live down the street, I don't want all this construction for, for multiple years. It's a pain in the butt. But for me, who doesn't live close to Wrigley Field? Yeah, get to it. Hurry up. Yeah. Get to work. It's it's difference of, like, if you're inconvenienced, like, it, that's really it, right? If you're inconvenienced, then your your opinion of things is going to be different. Like, if you're coming from Lamont, have you? That's a, It's more of an inconvenience. Now, going to Soldier Field isn't exactly easy, but... Arlington Park would be a little bit further. Different blends of traffic and whatnot. So I, I think it's like that's one of my biggest takeaways is how home location, like where you actually live, suburban Cook County residents compared to actual city of Chicago residents, like factored into the actual data that the Harris poll gathered. Right. Yep. Um, all right. Well, really good stuff. I hope people enjoyed it. We need to get out of here. 
Uh, encourage everybody to check out John's story too. Theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns is where you go to subscribe. That's also where you can find the mock draft. We discussed earlier the power that was given to Adam Johns to trade back, trade back, trade back, trade back. I didn't go, I didn't go that tradey. Yeah, trade, I, know I didn't did. go that tradey backy. As, as I was scrolling down, though, I was like, damn, how far did he go? Oh, yeah, he drafted the guy from his backyard. Of course he did, Park Rage. Yeah, classic. So Right over here. It's good good stuff. Um, well, I uh, I'll, you can follow me, too, allchgo.com, and I have a feeling that uh, there's going to be some reaction to the stadium info, so you might want to check out CHGO as well. Carm is gonna, Mark Carmen is going to love that he was uh, named by the pollster. You know, he has now owned a subsection of the <laughs> community has been named after him. Uh, the stubborn people that just don't want to leave the city. I get it. Um, all right. We're out of here. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue at Adam Johns. When we talk to you next, we will be in Indianapolis at the NFL Combine. Uh, as we have been for many, many years, one of our favorite weeks of the year. We will be there with a setup on Radio Row. Kent and the whole crew. We got some special things planned for you. Of course, Tuesday will be when Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflew speak to the media. So we're going to have plenty of reaction just on Tuesday's episode um, as those guys speak for the first time in, in over a month. And in Flus's case, I don't think he's talked since the season ended. Nope. So um, we'll see where they're at on everything. And that is, always brings, usually brings some news in some way, shape, or form as well. Uh, at the combine so we'll be ready for all that looking forward to it we'll talk to you then and um yeah enjoy enjoy the weekend we'll talk to you on tuesday see ya point is uh those are some numbers